How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. You're here with me, Nick, and I'm joined by my good buddy, Ronald. Buenos dias, everyone. <laughs> Adapting the language, hey? So Ronnie is in Spain, for those of you guys that are wondering. He's yeah, Mr. Worldwide, where we're calling him now. Ronald Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, exactly. So I'm in Spain at the moment, having just explored uh, France for a couple, for one week, about 10 days. And I'm grateful to be out of France, though. That's for damn sure. Yeah, Paris, you were there in Paris. I remember when we were in Paris in 2019, it wasn't so like, I remember getting stood up on the Champs-Élysées, if I'm saying that right, by a taxi driver. I remember the bartenders ignoring us when we spoke English. So yeah, much of the same you told me when you touched down, hey? It could also have been because we went to a very fancy nightclub dressed in jeans and tackies, but that's also possibly we... true. <laughs> probably what happened. I didn't actually think of that until now, Ronnie. You're probably right. But yeah, so you got to go and see All Blacks game versus Argentina. Los Pumas yeah. not doing so great. Where did you watch the Bok game? Uh, actually, I was back in Spain by that stage. We left that, and I'm very grateful that I wasn't in the stadium because I don't think my heart would have taken it. I don't know about you, but I think a whole bunch of people discovered that they've got heart conditions after this weekend. Yeah, listen, the cardiologists here in South Africa, and I'm sure in many places around the world, were on speed dial getting very, very busy because two weeks in a row now we've been left. I, One I point. Explain it. I mean, it's unbelievable. We've won the last two games collectively by two points. Yeah. <laughs> and both strong come from behinds because, I mean, I was at a wedding this weekend, okay? And wedding on the same day as the semi-final of the world cup tough choice to make but i did sneak off to go and watch the rugby and let me tell you that wedding would have been stuffed if the book had lost because everyone would have come back very weak yeah absolutely and i mean i sat down here on the couch i probably sat down for three minutes before i was up on my feet for the rest of the game pacing up and down preempting the the absolute distress that i was about to face you know, and now like the world cup you know what proves it was a shock, Ronnie, is that the lowest pick in our Super Brew pool was the box by nine. Was that me? No, it no. was Belinda. Yeah, look, we were definitely not the underdogs, and that worked against us. We have to be the underdogs, which is why, leading up into the final, I think we're in a better position, because I think some people consider us the underdogs of this, or at least more people do. Yeah, I think we're back where we, where we like being written off, you know, put on the back pedal and, and ready to make a point. But Ronnie, let's then get into the rugby from this weekend. It's only two games, but there's a hell of a lot to talk about. So let's start with the one you were at that was on Friday night. All Blacks 44, mm. 6 Los Pumas. All Blacks wet weather rugby. Tries. Yeah, I was just about to say, wet weather rugby, but the, but the All Blacks seemed like that, you know, they were like a pig in mud in that weather. It was, you know, they were very dominant and it's a little bit disappointing, right, to have seen a score like that in a semi-final. Yeah, it's definitely a score I didn't expect. I thought Los Pumas would put up quite a fight, you know, very passionate nation. But they were very, very flat. That Pumas team really struggled to put anything together. Buffeli was unusually quiet after getting man of the match only a week earlier. Yeah. You know, I thought yeah. the only two players in the Pumas side that actually performed for me was Teo Carreras out in the wing. He looked quite threatening yeah. with ball in hand. And Thomas Gajor, prop, you know, those were the only two. I think Nick Sanchez inserted too late. There was very little left to do when he came onto the pitch. But the All Blacks were ruthless, Ronnie. You're right. In wet weather rugby, they, they made it seem like it was as dry as anything. 
Yeah, and I think the week before last week's episode, I spoke about how intense the, the crowd was from the Argentinians. They made up 10% of the of the crowd and sounded like they were 90% of the crowd. The crowd was silent this time around, and there was definitely more of them. And it was a little bit disappointing, but I think a little bit of shell shock, right? The All Blacks came out firing one, two, three, four tries, and then, you know, it kind of slipped away and it, it became a try fest in favor of the All Blacks. Yeah, I mean, Argentina didn't even manage to breach the All Blacks line. Only six points, that's two penalties from the boot of Buffelli. And that's all they have to show for a game. And it's not like you can say they don't know how to beat the All Blacks. They've beaten them twice in the last two years. So for them to come out, it shows the pressures of a World Cup also vastly, vastly different. And yeah, it's got a lot of criticism coming its way this game now because we've already said, you know, the Ireland All Blacks and France SA game should have been the two quarterfinals, the unfortunate World Cup. Semi-finals. Semi-finals, yeah. sorry, correct. No, you're absolutely right. It was. It seemed like we had incredible matchups. We had. Uh... Four incredible quarterfinal matches, and but it was very much lopsided, and I think that that in, specifically in this case, All Blacks versus Pumas, you can see that the draw was very lopsided. I think uh, perhaps in the Springboks England, we, it's a different story. We we got shown up, and it was a far more even contest there. But at least in this game, it was a very very much a runaway. Which is, I suppose, if you're an All Black fan, it's great. But if you're anyone else in the world, it's it's not good to see at all. Yeah, that's for sure, Ronnie. I mean, how good was Nuggy? You know, Aaron Smith, he's really on form for the All Blacks in that nine jersey. He'll be retiring after this coming weekend's game. And I want to go as far as to say, potentially one of the best nines the world has ever seen, if not the best. Yeah, I think potentially is, a, is used loosely there because he absolutely is one of the best nines the world's ever seen. And yeah, the All Blacks have produced fantastic players and he's one of them. Iconic players. Absolutely iconic from him. And also Sam Whitelock, the first player ever to appear in three World Cup finals, should he be selected this weekend. Massive, massive milestone for that man too. But Ronnie, we'd be remiss not to discuss Will Jordan. He is a try-scoring machine at the moment. He's now drawn level with Brian Habana, Jonah Lomu, and Julian Sevilla. Eight tries at a World Cup tournament, one game to go. Yeah, and there'll be three All Blacks that hold that record and potentially Will Jordan uh, might even be able to get it in the final now, nine tries in the single in a single tournament. Possible, hopefully our defence can shut him down. But Ronnie, that All Blacks wing pair of Mark Talea and Will Jordan are lethal, hey? Some of the best wings in the world. And it'll be really exciting to see them potentially go up against Cheslin and Kirtley, who are also two remarkable attacking players. So you reckon those will be our two wingers then? I do. I do indeed. I don't see us changing that. The wise old Nick. The wise old Nick. There we go. I actually did already publish my prediction for the team. So that that was in. Ronnie, what do you make of Richie Maunga missing a few kicks at goal? You know, showing that he's not actually perfect and can miss. That's a little bit of pressure that he'll be facing heading into the final when Andre Pollard is back in the picture kicking perfectly. He's still an infinitely better kicker than Bowen Barrett is at first. Yeah, yeah. Ronnie. It must be like 10 episodes already that I conceded uh, Richie is the better 10. So I did. It's recorded. and I can no, I'm, I'm, I'm just making a comment here. Like, I'm not saying that you should concede the point. You brought that up. I just wanted to make a very, you know, co- uh, uh, a throwaway comment, if you will. No, I'll give it to you, Ronnie. You beat me on that one thing. It's a pity you can't repeat it on Super Brew. Eh? But yeah, look, I think Richie Monga. Yeah, it's a little bit unfortunate that he missed a couple of those kicks. But yeah, look, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. As long as he can pull it back in the, in the other games, then he's a, he's still a solid 10 for them. And look, he's, he's he's got a proven track record with the Saders and with the All Blacks now as well. So 
wouldn't be too concerned if I was an All Black because they've also got a number of kickers. They've got a distance kicker with old Jordy in the back, and Bowden, I suppose, can also kick sometimes. Yeah, Jordy Barrett, as you mentioned there, he's also been outstanding for them at 12. And I think his absence in the early rounds of the World Cup was where the All Blacks looked a little bit less of an attacking weapon than they do now that he's returned. Right, I recall right, Jordy was the man of the match, right? Yeah, Jordy was indeed the man of the match. Ronnie, what do you make then of situation here where David Havili is now declared fit? They've had Anton Leonard Brown on the bench for them in the last two fixtures. Do you rush Havili back in because he's got a pretty no. good record against the Springboks? He's a big player and you want that physical aspect or do you stick with Leonard Brown? No, you have to stick with what you know now. You're going into a final, so pretty good's just simply not going to cut it. Would you say the same argument applies to Lucanio Um? Yeah, Lukanya Un's a bit of a difficult one because I think we got shown up a little bit in this past weekend's game against England. You know, Jesse Creel simply didn't get the ball at all. I don't think I recall a single run with Jesse Creel. And that makes me a little bit concerned, but I think we lost the game, uh, we, or we were losing other battles before the ball got to it. And, and I think that, I think that with that said, it just, you know, same argument applies. Can't rush a player back now. You got to stick with what you know and therefore stick with uh, Jesse Creel. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that, Ronnie. And then, you know, you agree a lot with me. You know, you often make these comments, ask me these questions. I make a point and then you agree with me. So, I mean, you give me so much crap, but you actually agree with me 100% of the time. Do you have any original ideas yourself? What's that thing about leading a horse to water and making a drink? And making a drink? (laughs) I've never heard such. (laughs) Rami, then lastly on this game, did you see that Michael Cech had some choice comments about the refereeing, saying he wasn't happy with how the breakdown was being officiated, Angus Gardner there. Gardner does generally let a bit more flow at a breakdown, and I think that did favour the All Blacks. It absolutely did. I think Cheka and, and the Argentinians would have liked a bit more uh, structure at the breakdown. Or You're absolutely right. I, I don't really know what else to say except that it's a little bit disappointing that a lot of these games now, people have very poor choice of words for, for the officiating. And look, we were definitely to blame a Springboks there at a time. But I think we've come to the point now where we're a little bit more respectful towards the referee. I think you know, some of our foreign listeners could probably throw something at me right now. Yeah, Ronnie. Then we go over to Saturday's fixture at Stade Francais. It was the Springboks versus England. Before we dive mm-hmm. into that game, I don't know if you've seen that reel we put up from our mate Neil. He was there in Paris leading the charge on the, the Russie version of the zombie song from Ireland. Yeah. And look, I'll tell you what, that wasn't just from that video right there. It echoed right throughout Paris. Wherever you walk there, somebody started singing. Somebody started singing Rassi, Rassi. Yeah. And I was fortunate enough to find myself stuck in a crowd of, you know, with a whole bunch of South Africans sprinkled throughout it and it just reverberated through the crowd. It was, yeah, I'm sure the uh, rugby, rugby fans from other nations hate us right now. Yeah. Well, Neil shot for the great content if you're tuning in this week, but it was. It's a good video to see, and we're enjoying seeing a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on there in France. So any of the other guys that are going to the final this weekend, guys, please send us your pictures, your videos. We're always keen to see what's going on. Ronnie, 16-15, Springboks edging out England by one point and giving at least 50% of South Africa a heart attack. Yes, I think 50% is an understatement, right? So it was, it was a lot, it was too, way too close for, for comfort. Yeah, I wasn't comfortable at any point during that game. And it sucked. I uh, don't know if if we as Springboks believe that we're simply better than we truly are, or if it's just England that played their, their socks, because England did play well. It's 
give them some credit. Yeah, it was a game of inches without a doubt. But let's first get on to the match official. We had Ben O'Keefe. So I, I was actually on Sunday on Instagram Live with Lackey and Max again to discuss the coming final. And we had a little bit of a chat about Ben and having the same ref three times. Now, it's not a criticism on the referee. It's actually just the effect that something like that has because after each game he's refereed us, he's gone back and reviewed match footage. You know, I may have missed this or I need to look at how the Springboks are approaching the ruck here. You know, all these different things. And then the next time he comes to officiate, he's now prepped to look out for those and primed to look out for the things he's missed. I think we saw a lot of that in this game. I don't think Ben was being unfair with what he was blowing, but I think he was noticing much more of what the Springboks were doing because he's now yeah. so accustomed to officiating. You're not the first person I've heard to say that. I, you know, I watched with my cousin and he he made the point as well to say that, look, it feels like it swung a little bit the other way. You know, we were perhaps looked looked upon in a favorable light in the quarters, but in this game, we were definitely up against it. And then, look, Ben O'Keefe, brilliant game, fair decisions across the board, I think. <laughs> Again, people go, you know, no one's ever going to be truly happy with the referee, especially the losing team. But yeah, look, I, I thought he was he had a brilliant performance. But you're right, it did feel like he was looking out and identifying that that those what I would consider incidents, issues within the grey area. Yeah, like those breakdown nuances that Richie McCaw was so famous for, you know, those little sleight of hands and things like that. He was definitely hyper-vigilant on what we were doing. Yes, blowing correctly to the law, but I think that definitely had an impact on what we were doing. Six points in eight minutes we conceded, Ronnie, and that's not something the box like to do very often. You know, we're generally quite a disciplined team. One yellow card the whole World Cup from Urban last weekend. That was uncharacteristic for the Boca. But even more uncharacteristic was Bungi and Bonambi's throwing, missing two lineouts or two speed throws. That really surprised me. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't say that Bongi's been known for his excellent throwing over the years, you know. You know, that's definitely something that Malcolm Marks has always always had. But but you're right, it was shockingly skew a lot of them. I thought even one or two of those calls Ben O'Keefe actually got wrong on. They probably should have called it skew when it wasn't uh when it you know, when we got away with it. So Bongi probably needs to hook on that because he's our only specialist hooker that we have at the moment. And going into this weekend's game. This is this is the biggest game of their career and and Bogie's career. Ronnie, what do you make of this? Because it's actually very hard to pick anyone from the starting twenty three that really had a standout game. I think they were all fairly flat. You know, is this a case of we came into the game one underestimating England and two fatigued from facing France? Yeah. You know, overall we've got less playing minutes under the belt because the squad's been well managed. But do you think that France victory took a lot out of our legs? No, exactly that. I don't think it's a case of us underestimating our opponent. I think the culture in the in the team is such that, you know, we'll we will never underestimate an opponent. I think Rossi will always fire the people up and we've learned our lesson hard as Springboks, you know, against Italy, against uh, Japan. We'll never underestimate an opponent. But you've hit the nail on the head there. We seem fatigued. You know, right even it's a bit best performance ever in the quarterfinals. And, you know, everyone's talking about him being the best lock in the world. And then he came to this one and, and honestly, he was just, like you say, flat and it was unimpressive, right? So it was, it was concerning to see. And I really hope the guys put their feet up and spend some time in the spot because they genuinely, genuinely need to, need to get the energy levels back up and intensity back up. I thought Dion Ferry, he had an incredible run when he came onto the field, such a hard run. I thought he was still 
he was still playing with a lot of intensity. And I, and I, I really liked that, but he was the only one that it stood out for me. Yeah, I think as well, you've got to give credit there to Ox, to Archia, and yes. to Pollard. I think those four players saved our asses. And I actually had such a laugh. I'm sure you've seen the meme doing the rounds, but I was like, you know, for all you palms that haven't been to South Africa before, welcome. You've just experienced your first smash and grab because that's exactly what those four pulled off. Pollard with his kicking yeah. game and Ox. What? Man, Ox. Those scrums were yeah. unbelievable. Well, I think Ox is my favorite player at the moment. Would it be fair to assume that he's probably your favorite player at the moment? Yeah, you probably. being an ex-prop. You gotta love him, right? He honestly, just eats cake. He says salad doesn't win scrum. He comes on there and he pushes this living hell out of you. Yeah. And yeah, you don't want to go up against Ox at any point. No, he's an life. absolute machine. You know, generating scrum penalties, and I've seen now, and we have to talk about it, Ronnie, because it's hilarious. Matt Williams. Matt Williams takes exception to the fact that the Springboks scrum for penalties. He says you shouldn't be able to scrum for penalties, which is absolutely bonkers. I think he's better off watching the ballet at this point. Him and Clive mm. can go in and, and share that experience. But what a stupid thing to say. The box have chosen to use it as a weapon. We take those risks in the 22. Just as easily as you can win a penalty, you can give a penalty away. It's backing a skill set that you have. You know, we play rugby union. If he doesn't want to watch scrums, he can go get the he can go get all of rugby minus the set pieces and scrums if he goes and watches the rugby league. It's very simple. How does a guy like that even get a voice in this sport though? Because Someone pointed out to me today that as coach of Scotland, he had a 30% win rate. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate. Look, <laughs> you know, we all we all have stupid opinions. I don't have stupid opinions very often. You have a lot of stupid opinions and we still give you a voice, Nick. So that's what happens. Is it? Uh, thanks, Ronald. Thanks for giving me a platform to speak on. <laughs> <laughs> Ronnie, you know, also, I think we have to give a lot of credit to England for this game. I think England coming into the World Cup was written off couple of us were mocking them, saying they're not going to make it out the pool. Yeah. They made it out the pool. They beat Fiji in a quarter. And they came within eight minutes of beating us to a World Cup final. So shout out to them. And shout out to the big balls move from Owen Farrell for dropping goal from 48 meters out. Yeah, and it looked good. It was a sexy drop goal. But you're absolutely right. We won't make this mistake again. We now know that England plays like South Africa. They play winning rugby. It's ugly. They play winning rugby in a tournament when it matters. They have a pretty successful Northern Hemisphere team, right? Yeah. They've won the World Cup. They've made a number of finals. Yeah, to, you could argue that their home World Cup 20, was it 2015? Was it 2011 or 2015 where they didn't make it out the full stages? Yeah, that was a little bit of a blunder, a serious blunder. But you could argue that these guys really know how to win when it really matters. In, you know, in, in between World Cup cycles, they're a little bit dismal and you know, we've seen some poor performances from them, but yeah, poor credit to them. They know how to go to those dark places. And then and we as South Africans had to go to that dark place too this, this weekend because England took us there. We didn't oh. take England there. England took us there. Yep, they took us faster than ESCOM ever has. But Ronnie, I think Dan Cole also getting revenge for 2019 because in 2019 in that final, he was demolished by the Springboks. Yeah. He held up pretty yeah. well against our starting pack of Gitsi and Malherba. I think he can be proud of that. He redeemed himself. But I also and he, he played fifty-five minutes or something. Yeah. You know, that's that's a hell of a hell of a push against the Springboks. Yeah. I think England can be pretty chuffed with this. You know, they brought George Ford on late. I think they were edging for a drop goal against us to try and win it. But those last minutes, Ronnie, are so stressful. When we've got the ball now and we know we need to 
in the game out it's two or three minutes on the clock and we at last week and this week we had to kick the ball because you run the danger of sealing off in your own 22 yeah giving away that penalty you have to get them to their half and then back your defense to keep them pinned back unfortunately two weeks in a row it has happened i hope to god it doesn't happen this coming weekend because i might not make it no and, and you're absolutely right because in my mind it just goes you know 40 meters that's within Owen Farrell's range 50 meters that's still within his range and we pushed England back like we did with France. We pushed them back into their half, across their 10-meter line. But then they still came back well within range of Owen Farrell's boot. And it, it was, oh, man, I, c- I could not take it. I just wanted the game to end. I just wanted someone to knock the ball off so we could just end this, this hell that we were putting ourselves through. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Ronnie. So then we had Kerbis Reinach starting, you know, very good nine. He's been playing very well the World Cup. But... He had a bit of a struggle in that semi-final. The wet weather not suiting him, you know, kicking not great from the base. But then Marnie Lubbock struggling even more and being taken off at 30 mm. minutes. What do you make of that for mm. Marnie, Ronnie? Yeah, look, I looked at it and I thought, geez, Marnie Lubbock looks like a deer in headlights. Like he sat on that bench and he looked like, you know, he was seconds away from tears. And I felt a little bit sorry for him when I thought, geez, this this could really hurt his and knock his confidence. I know that we've got this team culture, you know, it's it's always it's bigger than the team. It's it's bigger than one man. It's you know, we've got we've got something more that we're playing for. And, you know, if you're doing cock, you're gonna get get subbed. But geez, I felt sorry for him. And I felt sorry for every single one of the players that came off. But I thought that when when Rassi Rassi Shark, it's always remember that Shark is our coach. When they made the decision to take off the likes of Sia and Eben, you know, I think that helps a bit with with Marnie's uh, confidence uh, specifically. You know, he wasn't just the only one to get taken off. There were a lot of players that really struggled. And, and look, uh, if 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 you know to be taken off together with the likes of Eben and with Sia, you know, you worked hard. It just wasn't your night. And um, you know, it was good to see that we were able to claw back after making those subs so early. Yeah, we seem to be the comeback kings now, something we generally never used to like to do. But we don't want to be the comeback kings. I don't want to be, I just want to be the, the take the lead kings and, and win the game kings. Me too. I'm not, not chuffed with the way things have been going. Ronnie, lastly, the England tactics at the end of the game with those scrums, those resets were all intentional, you know, going a little bit off balance. Yeah. Crouch, all yeah. of that was intentional to slow the game down. And I think O'Keefe was a yeah. little bit slow in awarding penalties there would have been quite deserved from the English pack in that instance. No, no, I think it's it's fair to say it's not just the English pack. Yes, when we were we were short on time at the end there for sure. England was trying to run down the clock. You know, but they kind of screwed themselves up. Or they used up their own time, if you will. But I think throughout the game it wasn't just a case of England trying to slow slow down the clock or control the pace. You know, it was two teams trying to slow it down. And it was a case of you're trying to slow the game down. I'm not going to let you slow the game down. I'm going to slow the game down. Watch me slow it down. So it's two teams trying to slow the ball down and had water boys and medics on the field every chance they got and somebody taking a knee and replacing a boot. You know, there was a lot of that. It was, you know, I haven't looked at the numbers, but I'm sure that was a very, very long rugby match. I agree with you there, Ronald. So I think we need to move on to our super brute pool. And Ronnie, for once in your life, I'm going to ask you to be honest here, because I'm also going to request a screen grab that I can post to all the listeners. Where are you on our super brute log? I mean, I don't know. That log. Yeah, so you're going to have to bear with me then while I fumble around on the PC here. Okay, so... so, We have 3,209 brews in our pool. So shout out to everyone that joined us. It's been epic, guys. 
Ronnie, where are you? I beat about 800 of those, Bruce. Sure, so you're in the lower 2,500s. 2,460. You're struggling, Ronnie. You can make a comeback. Maybe you can jump up at 50 spots or so <laughs> in the final weekend of the tournament. No, cool. So I realized a while back, a couple of weeks ago, that if I was not going to win this one, or at least our smaller pool that we have with with some of the content creators, I wasn't going to get anywhere unless I made some bold calls. So I actually backed Argentina and made some ridiculous calls that I thought no one else would. And jeez, uh, you know, it's a big mistake. I actually saw Altus this weekend at the at, at the, the game. And you know, Altus always takes out money. Super brew. And he did the same thing. And, he, and we just both said, look, if you go down that road, jeez, Super brew is going to be very difficult for you. No, that's definitely true, Ronnie. Well, I'm going to be smug and rub it in because I'm 285th. Okay, so moving on, we in third place. <laughs> okay, well, sorry, I'll pull the listeners for your sake. Yeah, well, then you beat me, so we- just repeat where you finished. 285th. I'm not finished. I'm going to make the top 100. Just watch. <laughs> but, Ronnie, do you have our top three for us? Who is our superest of brews? Yeah, so in third place, we've got Andre. 56.75 points. He's actually, that's yeah, pretty impressive for everyone to get 50 plus points. But Andre, 56.75. In second place, we've got Neil Strutz. Neil Strutz on 58 points and also on 58 points, but edging it out based on uh, other criteria. We've got Grobs, 69 on 58 points as well. So Grobs. Let's just see what his name is. This is Hendrik Krobelard. Well done, Hendrik. Yeah, lekker, Hendrik. You're our superest of brews. You almost got me to speak some Afrikaans there. So please get in touch. I've got a Mayfok Chom shirt waiting for you. It's got your name on it. One more week to go, guys. And then there is Rugby Ball Light up for grabs, some Mayfok Chom merch, mm. and some Keep Moving Apparel. Their socks are up for grabs. So yeah, guys, keep it up. Let's go. One more week. So, Ronnie, we've discussed the games gone by. We've discussed how terrible you are in Superbrew. Now, maybe we should discuss the third, fourth playoff and the World Cup final coming this weekend. Can't bloody wait. So, just a question. Are we completely forgetting about the fact that the IRC has, has, has started? The IRC has indeed started. Should we maybe do some score results from the IRC first, Ronnie? Yeah, let's just make sure that we get some score results for the IRC out and then and then I suppose we can discuss what happens in the week. And I think sure people want to be interested in what happens. Just remind me quickly, the Griffins, they're not okay. It's the Curry Cup that they beat the Bulls in. Yeah, and I know why you're asking. is because the Bulls are in the Irk, and they actually lost to the... I'm not sure if you actually heard that. Yeah, no, well, that sounds about right. The Griffins beat the Blue Bulls. <laughs> so, Ronnie, let's just take a look then. Leinster going down to Glasgow Warriors, 43-25. Looks like they weren't bolstered by the return of all the international players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I actually didn't watch the game, but yeah, good start for Glasgow, right? And it's a good one to get under your belt so early on in the season before, like you say, their players yeah, really do get up and running. Would you look at that? Eh? It's another Irish team spoiling everybody's super brew early on. <laughs> <laughs> then the Bulls, they got a big resounding victory here at Loftus on Sunday. 63-21 victory over the Scarlets. They'll be quite chuffed with that one. Saturday saw Cardiff get one point lost to Benetton. So Cardiff going down at home. Then the Sharks, they took on Munster away at Thomond Park. Mm. Munster getting a 34-21 point victory over the Sharks. 
you know, that could be to do with something, the fact that half the Springbok team is not at the Sharks currently. <laughs> <laughs> then yes. Dragons, they went down to Edinburgh 22-17. We had Derby here at home at Ellis Park. Lions going down 33-35 to the Stormers. Stormers suffering quite a few injuries in that game, so they'll be concerned with that. Last year's runner-up going very close against the Lions side. Ronnie Connacht got a 34-26 victory over Ospreys. And lastly, Ulster, one Irish side pulling off a good one there. 40 points to 36 mm-hmm. win over Zebra. Yeah, well done. I have a lot to say about that, but I think we'll unpack that in the weeks to come, surely. But for now, thanks for that, young Nicholas. Shall it's we get back to the World Cup? Yeah, back to the World Cup, Ronnie. Let's just start with a short preview of the third, fourth playoff. That's again, that's going to be contested between England and Argentina. It's a rematch of their World Cup opener, which is quite funny because Argentina did the same in 2007. They played France in the opener and then beat them there and then played them again in the third, fourth playoff. So Argentina will be looking to bounce back against England and make up because that was probably the worst we've seen them play other than this All Blacks fixture. Yeah, look, the third, fourth playoff is a difficult one, right? Because you've kind of, you know, the wind in yourselves has gone and, you know, a lot of people are very sad, but I suppose it's a little, you're together with your team for another week so you can perhaps process the loss a little bit better and together as a team. But yeah, it's a difficult one to get motivated for this game. And, and the question is, who the, who are they going to play? And, and the expectation really for this game is that there's going to be mass changes across the board for both teams, right? So Argentina are going to make lots of changes, but so are England. And, and the question is, of those two very heavily changed teams, who's going to do better? Could possibly get behind Argentina, maybe having a point to prove there. England perhaps being a little bit more under the weather. You know, a game like this, some people questioning what's the point of even having this game, but I think it offers a lot of sentimentality. I remember in 2019, that's when the All Blacks realized their mistake of not starting Ben Smith against England. He got his farewell there along with guys like Reed and all of them. And it's going to be much of the same. You know, we're going to be saying goodbye to players like Gus Creevy. Uh, Big Gus probably won't be playing for Los Pumas going forward. Guys like Nick Sanchez. You know, real mainstays mm-hmm. of these sides over the years. I know Courtney Laws today re- announced he's retiring. Probably not going to get Owen Farrell at another World Cup. The Vunapola brothers. You know, there's a lot of players. This is their last hurrah. Yeah. And I think they'll be wanting to go out on a positive note. Yeah, it's not the World Cup trophy, but it's still a chance to represent your country. And I'm looking forward to a good contest there, but I do hope Los Pumas managed to come in third place. Agreed. Then, Ronnie, we have the World Cup final. Now, this is a game I'm pretty sure is going to almost break us. It's going to be an intense game between two sides. I think anyone relying on what happened at Twickenham is completely underestimating the progression of these two teams since then, because the All Blacks are vastly different. They are nothing like they were at Twickenham. That game was an anomaly. We beat them. We've got to get over it and focus on the task at hand. I think just right off the bat, let's, at least from my part, there's not going to be a score prediction. Yeah, I will not be tempting fate and jinxing anything. So no score predictions, but we can unpack it a little bit. But you're right. This is going to be, this is going to be a huge game. And I'm pretty sure that both teams are going to bring it. You know, in fact, I was, uh, I was stumbling around a, a cemetery in Paris and I came across Jim Morrison's grave and there was a couple of Kiwis actually standing there watching, looking at the grave themselves. And they saw me rock up with my Springbok jersey in the first thing they said to me is all about Springbok's biggest rival biggest rivalry in, in, in rugby. Uh, and so if their fans, you know, they don't even say they don't even start off with a hello. They went straight off to 
you know, you're our biggest rival and 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 we respect that. So but the teams are definitely going to see exactly that and it's going to be huge. Tactically, I think there's nothing you to hold back anymore. You can bring out everything. And I'm sure Russ has got a couple of plays that he wasn't able to use in the semifinal that he can now use in the final. So I look forward to some entertaining rugby, at least I hope so. If, if it starts to rain again, geez, that's the great equalizer. Yeah, I think like you say, this is going to be a titanic battle between two great rivals. We have mad respect for the All Blacks. I predicted, I think you did as well, that the World Cup final would be these two teams. So very happy to see them there and that either way, the trophy is coming back south. This game, though, so there's a lot of decisions that are going to shape the outcome from it. Some selection decisions. You know, we've got Wayne Barnes. He's been appointed to take charge of the final. Most experienced test referee in the world at the moment. And I think we've got to put our trust in him for a good fixture there. But now, Ronnie, let's just talk about some of the key battles that are going to come in this game. Because the All Blacks front row, with the return of Tyrell Lomax and Ethan DeCruyt, is back to full strength. It's back to that powerful scrumming unit that we've seen. And their lineout is also immaculate at the moment. Whitelock, Barrett, and Retallick all doing duty in the, the jumpings there. How do we take that on? Do we start Kitsi and Franz Malherber with Bongi again? Or are we looking to bring in Ox after his big performance? You know, it's a difficult one to say because, but, but I think the simple answer is we need to go back to what we know. And, and what we know is to put a very powerful team or a powerful bomb squad together that can come on with you know 30, 20, 25 to 30 minutes to go and absolutely decimate and close out the game. Or, like we saw in this past weekend, come on a lot earlier and have to have to play a decent amount of, of, of rugby before the end of the game. So I think it's going to be much of the same, and I think our team will, will largely remain unchanged. There will be a couple of changes here and there, I'm sure. My only hope is that the likes of Marnie Lubbock, Damien Willemser, wherever they may feature, that you know their confidence went or wasn't wasn't dinged up a bit after this this past weekend's game. And I'm look, I'm hoping that even Etzebeth is very angry about having been subbed and that he. Yeah, I think you've got a point there. Evan's definitely going to be charged up to take on the All Blacks after what happened last week. Speaking of Marnie, does he still start or is Andre Pollard coming in? And if Pollard's starting, does Marnie make the twenty three? You see, this is this is a difficult one, right? Russi's made comments of, of why they went for five threes. We need the likes of Pollard, and Pollard works well with together with Faf. Those are three backline players that you need to cater for the that, that at least Russi and Chuck want in their twenty-three lineup. Potentially after this weekend's game, maybe Andre starts, and maybe we don't back up ten on the bench, and maybe we have Damien Willemson to cover ten. I don't know. It would, yeah. It's- it's going to be tough, and I think Andre Pollard has taken that 10 shirt back, and I think we're going to go for a 6-2 split this week, and I'm going to get your view on that just now. But for me, I think the 6-2 is what's going to be necessary when we face the All Blacks. I think, you know, when I looked at the 6-2, it was a debate for me. Do we bring in Jean Klein or do we bring in Marco van Staden? And I ended up deciding, you know, Jean Klein is going to be included on the bench for two locks alongside Arja. And the reason, therefore, is that I think we're going to try to get another 80-minute performance out of Bongi and then have Dion Ferry offering cover at flank and, if necessary, moving up to the front row a little bit later. What do you think, Ronnie? Are we going to go with a 6-2 or 5-3 and 8-0? Yeah. <laughs> I think an 8-0 every time I hear that, I have a bit of a chuckle because there's no possible way that we could play 8-0. That's just, that, that is just a very ridiculous thing. <laughs> and I think if I ever saw to what we know best, and that's probably a 6-2 split. 
you know, we've played the majority of our games at six two. I think we're comfortable with that. And and look, you know, having you know, you just made that comment earlier and it's probably sticking in my head now. Maybe maybe Marnie has dropped and that would be in favor of a six two split. Yeah, that's my prediction for what's coming in this team. I think the only other change could be Vili LaRue maybe dropping out and Marnie taking the twenty three jersey or Vili starting for Damien Willem. So that's a very hard one to call. But I definitely think we're going to revert to the 6-2. We're going to need that power up front to handle that all-black pack. Ronnie, the all-blacks mall under Jason Ryan has become quite a weapon. And we've struggled a little bit in defending the malls. How do we shut down New Zealand in this one? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's a difficult one. But we need to absolutely understand that mall, mauling is in our DNA. It's not an All Blacks DNA. Yes, Jason Ryan's done a stellar job of actually getting them to, to be an incredibly, an incredibly good and strong forward pack, you know, with their set pieces and their malls to be, you know, being world class. But I think that we have to, we have to know that we are the originals because <laughs> it's going to be incredibly difficult in this final. Any team that goes up there is going to have the, the balls, if you will, to to stand in front of our our, our malls and and push back just as hard as we're pushing them. Yeah, I think you're right there, Ronnie. What do you think we're going to do to the hacker? Are we just going to stand and face it as normal? Because many teams have bad luck when they've tried to front it up in funny ways. Or are the boys going to cook something special up for us? No, let's just keep it simple. I'm also in favor of that. Don't give more hoo-ha than is necessary. Keep it simple and do the talking on the field. Ronnie. Last debate then maybe for us at eighth man. I've seen a lot of calls on our page this week for Jasper to get a start. However, I don't see Dwayne not starting at eight. It's probably his last game for the Springboks. But more than that, Dwayne is a player to me that was born for the big moments. Dwayne is, I just feel like he's got something up his sleeve and leaving him out of the World Cup final could cost us that game. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. He was made for the big moments. He was made to play against the All Blacks. Right. I would play Jasper Vest in most games, in every other game, except when it comes to the All Blacks, I want Dwayne there. But with that said, you've just spoken about how fatigued our players were. And, and, and Dwayne's an old man. He, you know, he's, he's been around the block a couple of times. And to expect a huge performance from him, it's a big ask of the big man. Yeah, it's definitely a big ask. But I think the fitting send-off for a guy that's given so much to the green and gold as well. And... In that same breath, we have to mention how sad are you that Franz Stein is not involved in this final? Yeah, a little bit sad. I thought in the back of my mind that they, that he'd get a call up at some point, but uh, as the as the weeks and months progressed, you know, he was distancing himself from the Springbok camp and setup, and then yeah, look, disappointing. Would have liked to have seen him with a with another gold medal. Yeah, definitely. But great to see Ronnie. And I don't know if you saw it this week, France Day named director of rugby for Cheetahs tasked with promoting their brand. And honestly, don't think there's anyone better they could have chosen for the role. I oh, well, I agree. I think he struggled a little, little bit with commentating though. Like he was a pundit on Supersport and uh, and thought that he needed to work a little bit on his, on his speaking. But yeah, good. By all means, go. Go back home. Go back to the free state and direct their rugby. Yeah, I think that's a masterstroke from them. And then, Ronnie, obviously great to see that my pimps and Malcolm Marks will be joining the Springbok team this week. They're going to fly out to attend the final with the boys. So it'll be great that they're recognized for their contribution as well. How wholesome was that video of Spa erupting into song when my pimps was there? Yeah, I thought my pimps just wanted them to, uh, to start to get a shocking done, maybe a little bit hungover. And 
to get out of there. But yeah, the 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 staff obviously showing huge respect to to a legend of Springbok rugby. Yep, absolutely. Well, Ronnie, the next time we come onto the show, it's hopefully going to be as world champions. But either way, it's been an epic, uh, and I'm looking forward. to say that it's great weekend of rugby. Don't say that, my friend. You're jinxing us. I touch wood. I touch all the wood. And let's hope for an epic final weekend of the Rugby World Cup. And that's a wrap, guys. And girls, if you enjoyed this episode and didn't mind our terrible puns, please do us a solid and smash that like button. Remember, subscribing to our podcast may not make you a better rugby player, but it will make you more knowledgeable around the bry while screaming at the TV. We might not have the biceps of a prop or the speed of a winger, but we've got enough rugby banter to keep you entertained for the entire season. Grab it all. Light the bra, and we'll catch you back here next Wednesday. Thank you.